Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I want to invite our campuses and welcome our campuses in New Milford, Waterbury, Derby, and online. You know, if you're new or visiting today, my name is Adam DePasquale, and I serve as one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill. And uh, we're just so thrilled that you've chosen to join us in worship today. And uh, I want to say it's my prayer for you that today you would encounter the living God and that you would hear his voice in your life. You know, we're currently in a sermon series entitled The Abundant Life based on John 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. You know, as we've been talking about, this abundant life that Jesus offers is for every person across the planet, right? Just as Revelation 7, 9 says, one day in heaven, there will be people from every nation and tribe worshiping together. And that includes you and me, amen? Amen. And so based on that fantastic vision of unity today, I wanna teach you how to say abundant life in Portuguese. And this is a shout out to all of our Brazilian brothers and sisters here today. I'm gonna need your help. Uh, I've been practicing. And so I'm gonna say it twice and I'd love for you all to say it back to me confidently. We're gonna do it twice. And that includes everyone at our campuses and online. So here we go. Vida abundante. Good, let's try it again. Vida abundante. Excellent, excellent, very good. The abundant life is for every person on the planet. And this includes all 200 million native speakers of Portuguese across the whole world. Did you know that Portuguese is the official language in 10 different nations? A little trivia for you, right? Abundant life. In John 10, 10, Jesus was contrasting the motivations of false teachers at that time Influences that were leading God's people away from the truth of who he is and all that he desires for his people. Influences that were actually confusing them and doing them harm. And Jesus was contrasting all of those negative influences from himself, from his motivation, from his purpose, from his calling, from his desire for each and every one of us that those who follow Jesus would have life and have it abundantly. You know, today we don't have to look very far to see just how many influences in our world are actually stealing, killing, and destroying, right? And we know ultimately, in addition to our own sin, which wreaks havoc on the world, doesn't it? In addition to our own sin, there's an evil one who is working to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, just two chapters earlier in John, in chapter 8, we read that Jesus said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, church, we see there are very real harmful influences today, influences that come from our own sin, from the world around us, and from the spiritual realm. And at times, they're all working against this vision Jesus has for abundant life. But as Christ followers, we're told that we do not have to be afraid or fearful. Right? We're called to be aware of the evil one, aware of all these negative influences, but to resist them and to dismiss them and to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because Jesus desires to give us life, right? And that starts by entering into a relationship with him, but it's from that relationship that we begin to experience true peace and true joy and true passion, true wholeness, as we talked about last week, true rest. So today we want to talk about how Jesus wants to offer us, as the New, Transla New Living Translation says, 
a satisfying life, or as other translations say, life more abundantly. So whatever kind of life you think you have today, did you know that Jesus wants to offer you more? Are you hungry for more? I'm hungry for more. You might be saying, is that really true? Does Jesus want to offer me more? Yes, it is. You see, making the decision to follow Jesus is the start of a relationship with him. But from that point forward, we begin to grow in our relationship with him. We begin to grow intimately with him as our Lord, as our Savior, as our friend. And as we study his teachings and we learn to hear his voice, we begin to discover and embrace his ways of doing life. And we realize that his ways bring fullness, a far greater life than we could ever, ever imagine. And this is what Arise and Shine is all about. When we experience life in Jesus, it not only blesses us, but we begin to shine into the world, and it blesses the world. You see, we have this eternal life in Jesus, yes, in the future, but it starts right here and now, and the Lord wants to give us greater abundance. But the truth is, so often we hold on to inferior things, don't we? We even hold on to old ways of approaching life. But we need to surrender everything. We need to give everything to Jesus. But Jesus, I'm not sure if I want to give you this, right? Jesus, I'm not sure if I want to stop doing that. Give it to the Lord. Receive from him. Invite the spirit of the living God to come and free you. Let him completely reorient your life. You see, surrender not only leads to a close relationship with Jesus, it also leads to greater freedom. Surrender in all areas of life is the pathway to greater abundance. But what does that really look like? See, today we wanna begin to get very practical and continue from that place of rest we talked about last week and look at this gift of time that God has given us. Why time? You know, when we began the Arise and Shine annual theme in September, Craig and I shared with you some observations we made to you as your pastors. See, a number of people had been coming to us and sharing in their own words, saying, I just don't have enough time for the most important things in life. Here's a question for you. If you don't have enough time for the most important things in life, does that sound like an abundant life? No, I don't think so. Well, is it possible that God, in all of his wisdom, in his perspective outside of time, is it possible that God might have guidance for us those who live within time, something he created, right? You know, in case you didn't know, time is like the great equalizer. No matter who you are, you have access to the same amount of time in a day as anyone else. 24 hours a day, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. And understanding how to steward the time that God has given us is really important. And it's intricately linked to the abundant life. You know, today's scripture reading was from Psalm 39. Have you heard that passage before? I tell you, in all the years I've studied the Psalms, it really wasn't until the last couple of months that Psalm 39 really jumped out to me personally. Psalm 39, a Psalm of King David, possibly written in the last years of his life. You know, I was recently talking to a member of the congregation who's retired, and they were saying to me, you know, in my late years, I've been finding myself reflecting more and more. So here David is, possibly towards the end of his life, he's reflecting on life. He's thinking about all the mistakes that he's made, and he says this, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. 
But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. Have you ever had turmoil grow within you as you've been reflecting on life? David did. And then he said this, the more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Wait for it, here it is, right? Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. We see that word selah. Some of your translations say interlude. Remember, this was a musical work. There were instruments playing. There was singing taking place. And David, as the author says, we're just gonna sit here and sit in this uncomfortable place, perhaps, and reflect on this. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Selah. And then David says, we're merely moving shadows. All of our busy rushing ends in nothing. Have you ever said that at the end of a busy day? Man, today was so busy and it all counted for nothing. <laughs> and David says, we heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. In other words, man, we spend a lot of time fixated on money, don't we? We spend a lot of energy. And where does it go in the end? Almost sounds kind of depressing and heavy, right? David seems to have gone to a dark place. Perhaps you've gone to a dark place before. Maybe you're in a dark place right now. But wait for it. Something begins to stir in David's spirit, and he says this, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? It's as if the spirit touches him, and he looks up into heaven, and he declares, my only hope is in you. My only hope is in you. And that's good theology, isn't it? It's good advice, too. Put your hope in the Lord. But there's also a word of wisdom here for us today. Because David said, remind me that my days are numbered. Church, do you know that your days are numbered? Our time on earth is brief. And here's the thing. How you spend your time is a choice. It's a decision that you make. And the kinds of things that you spend your time on matter. And some things don't matter as much. And all of this contributes in some way as to whether our lives are satisfying, whether our lives are abundant. You know, to help us, I want to share with you some interesting research I did on this subject of time. Where does our time go? Let's work backwards from where the largest amount of time is typically spent. Survey said, number one, work, your vocation. Let's talk about work. Now, for those of you who are retired, you're going to have to reminisce and remember the good old days. Uh, but for those of us who are working, here we go. Do you know, working is godly. Your work, your vocation, it's like your mission field, right? It's a place for you to shine for Jesus. Well, our research numbers differ. A Gallup study from within the past 10 years indicates that 8% of Americans spend less than 40 hours a week working. 42% spend 40 hours a week at work. 11% spend 41 to 49 hours. 21% spend between 50 to 59 hours a week working. And 18% spend more than 60 hours a week working. Is that surprising to you at all? You know, if it wasn't clear from the study, if you're staying at home taking care of your children or you're homeschooling, you are definitely working. <laughs> definitely working. And if you're in school, school is your work in this season. Invest yourself fully in there. Parents, you can thank me later for that comment. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. 
On average, how many hours a week do you work? I want you to get a number in your head. You know, the study says that more than half of people work more than 40 hours a week, and nearly 40% work at least 50 hours. So whether you're working over five days, six days, or seven days, stop there. If you're working seven days, go back and listen to last week's message on rest, right? But however it works out, we're spending between eight and 12 hours a day working. It's a large amount of time, right? But again, praise God, work is godly. It's a mission field. It's a place for you to shine for Jesus. But after work, you have between 12 to 16 hours left in your day. Number two, survey says sleep. Let's talk about sleep. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the average adult sleeps fewer than seven hours a night despite needing seven to eight hours a night to be healthy. This is for a different sermon, but one in three U.S. adults do not get enough sleep. That may be due to choices that they make or possibly a sleep disorder. And not getting enough sleep is proven to be a possible contributor to obesity, diabetes, hypertension, car crashes, forgetfulness, mood and anxiety levels, and actually increase your risk for all kinds of other health issues. Why, you didn't know I was going to go here today, right? (laughs) What's my point? Here's my point. An appropriate amount of sleep is godly. It's taking care of yourself. And because it's taking care of yourself, it's taking care of those you love as well. And listen, I really feel like the Spirit's saying that there's at least one person here today who needed to hear that, that taking care of yourself is godly, that you need to get your sleep. But after sleep, you have between 5 and 11 hours left in your day. According to studies, where does this time go? Let me give you a couple thoughts on that. Survey says, number three, TV. According to a 2022 Nielsen report, the average American adult has the TV on or is streaming for nearly five hours a day. Now, considering that after work and sleep, we only had about five to 11 hours left in the day, I'm gonna leave it to you to decide whether you're watching too much TV or not. Number four, mobile phones. According to explodingtopics.com, in 2023, on average, people spent three hours and 15 minutes on their mobile phone at some point in the day. Now, interestingly, countries like the Philippines, Thailand, Brazil, and a few others spend more than five hours a day on their cell phone, while countries like Germany, Denmark, and Japan, and a few others spend two hours or less. Interesting. Somewhat related, Americans spend two hours and 14 minutes on social media every day. And 51.8% of people say they use social media apps because of boredom. Interesting, right? 69% of people admittedly believe that screen time is negatively impacting their mental health. Now listen, staying connected with people is a good thing. And reading news and articles is a good thing. But TV and social media are certainly two areas that we have a lot of decision power on how much time we spend there, right? And you could argue that the overuse of them, not the use, because I love a good TV show, But the overuse of TV and social media may be stealing time and life from us. Let's pause there for a moment. If you're thinking about your life, what would you say are areas in your life that you may be allowing to steal time and life? I want you to think about that for a moment. Now listen, I've just been sharing with you stats on how Americans use their time by the minute, second, and hour. But research has been done and articles have been written about how the invention of the second hand of a clock 
and the productivity and efficiency movement that came out of the Industrial Revolution, these things haven't necessarily made life more meaningful or abundant. Here's what I mean by that. The tool that enables you to be more efficient and save time for other things most often produces higher expectations and more work. Isn't that interesting? And the ability to schedule meetings on your calendar down to the minute often results in you having more time to squeeze in additional commitments, not less. You know, on a side note, it's, it's interesting. Over the years, I've observed how our Brazilian brothers and sisters get this right. They have this amazing ability to be present in the moment. It's as if they're aware of time, but not enslaved by it. And I personally have found it inspiring. It's like a whole different operating system, right? But going back to my earlier point, our answer to abundant life and the stewardship of time is not necessarily found in alarms, calendar invites, timers, or even technology that track minutes and seconds. I personally love King David's perspective in Psalm 39 as he referred to his days. I think there's something incredibly healthy and godly about looking back upon our day. But what else does the Bible have to say on this? Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This is chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to read to you from the Holman Christian Standard Version. Paul writes, just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I like that. I'll read it again. Just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, one Bible encyclopedia, encyclopedia noted that this meant to live your life as one pledged to a rule of life. I was talking to a member of the congregation this past month, Alan Pawalski, and without knowing that I was preparing to teach on time, he began to share with me all that God had been teaching him on the subject matter. And it was amazing. It felt like he had been walking with me over the weeks I've been preparing. And uh, I'm really grateful for that conversation, Alan, if you're here today. But Alan gave me a few more Vs, which I'll share with you, and he also gave me a couple of insights. Alan commented that the Lord first calls us to live from a place of true virtue. Now, much has been written on this going back to St. Benedict in the 5th century. But living from a place of true or ultimate virtue says that our life, our time, our energy, our vocation, and our dreams, our life should be centered around or stem from a pursuit of God. I want to say that one more time. This means that when we do that, our life becomes growing, about growing in relationship with God, about experiencing life with him, about becoming more and more like him and ultimately representing him to the world. Living from a place of true virtue says that our life, our time, our vocation, our energy, our dreams should be centered around a pursuit of God. Now, many of you would probably say amen to that. But is it true? Is it true? See, sometimes if we're honest, we have competing visions for our lives, almost like separate operating systems at war with each other inside of us. You know, some of us here today might be living to fulfill the American dream. And while that's not necessarily bad, did you know that it's not always in harmony with following Jesus? Some of us may be fixed on making the lives of our children better than how we grew up. Listen, that's a, a noble thing. It's a good thing. But did you know that that may not always be in harmony with following Jesus? Some of us are fixed on proving all the bullies wrong from grade school 40, 50 years ago. It's as if we're living to just prove to someone that we're worthy. Did you know that that's not always in harmony with living for Jesus? 
See, abundant life starts by identifying and dethroning those other things, some of them good, but returning Jesus to the throne of our life. Now, you might be asking, how does that have to do anything with time? Well, here's how it does. When you live with the pursuit of God as your highest goal, you find that certain priorities and values, the things that really matter, suddenly become more and more and more clear. You know, in 2015, I was serving as the executive pastor here at Walnut Hill, and Craig Bryan and I were going through these extensive elder interview processes to be considered for our lead pastor positions. And I was about to turn 40. I'm getting older, right? <laughs> but that full day culminating interview before a group of elders took place on my actual 40th birthday, May 16th. I think a picture is going to come up on the screens, but um, while we were in our interviews, a group of troublemakers rode all over my car. <laughs> I have to tell you, it was, uh, it was nice to come out and laugh until I had to start cleaning it up. But anyway, leading up to the big 40th birthday, I was reflecting a lot on life, as one typically does, right? Where was I putting my time and energy? What was going to be the most important things in my life in the next decade? And this was both an encouraging process and a sobering one, because I am far from perfect, I want to say I'm grateful for my crew who listened to my reflections and provided solid feedback on that time. But out of that prayerful process, I created stakes. These were values or ultimate priorities that were going to be important to me and which I didn't want to lose sight of in the next decade. So on my 40th birthday at 4.30 p.m., as a symbolic act of committing myself to these values, to this rule of life, I literally took six stakes and I hammered them into the ground. And after putting them in the ground, I, I pulled them out, I painted them, and I have them so I can hold them in my hands and remember what I've committed myself to. You see, if you value something, you make time for it. If you value something, you prioritize it. And I wanted to make time for these things. So each of my stakes have a title and a meaning behind them. I don't want to spend too much time on them, but I'll share with you briefly. Stake number one, God. I wrote in my journal, I want to grow deeper in my relationship with the Lord than ever before. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. And this means taking time throughout the day to spend with the Lord, prioritizing time with Him. Number two, Carrie. I want to invest in my marriage in such a way that Carrie experiences Christ's love through me in real ways. I wrote, I want a thriving marriage. And this means that I prioritize her. We text during the day. We catch up after work we find time to spend together. Number three, family. I wrote, I want to invest in Elias, Brennan, and Praisley, my whole extended family, but I want to prepare my children for their future and leave a godly legacy behind. You know, during the school week, it's hard to do that, right? You say goodbye to your kids, you strive to have a family dinner, you chase activities that they're involved in, but you look for those meaningful moments. You grab hold of them. Number four, spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Godly stewardship calls me to prioritize taking care of myself. I want to live an abundant life. I want to be healthy. I want to have fun and laugh. For me, I want to explore. I want to be adventurous. I want to be creative. I want to find moments to relax, relax right? Activities that fill my tank. And quite honestly, this stake is the most difficult area for me to do and for me to prioritize. Next one, family mission. I want to stay true to our deepest qual family mission, building a lighthouse that radiates God's love for generations yet to set sail. And this means living out and imparting our family values of faith, love, laughter, teamwork, stewardship, and gratitude. 
This also means looking for opportunities to shine in the world and make a difference both here in the church and in our community. But this takes time. You know, a study done by the U.S. Bureau of Labor indicated that the average volunteer in America gives about one hour of their time a week to serve at either church, school, or a community organization. Now, if we have a calling to shine, is that enough for Christ followers? I don't think so. You know, next week we're going to talk about how, to, how an abundant life flows out of uh, when we give of ourselves, when we utilize our gifts and strengths and talents for the sake of others. You see, generosity doesn't just apply to finances. Generosity also applies to time. In my last stake, accountable and transparent relationships. I put a stake in the ground to maintain accountable and transparent relationships. You see, I knew the only chance I had to live a Christ-centered life, a value-based life, was to surround myself with people that I love and I respect and whom I could share openly and honestly with. I want to invite them to speak into my life. Now listen, these are all aspirational values, meaning I miss it constantly. But they're like true north to me. They're always calling me back because my desire is to orient my days. Maybe not my minutes or seconds, but my days. I want to orient my days around the things that I want to be the most important in my life. Listen, if I had days where I've watched the extra one, two, or three Netflix episodes while the kitchen is calling my name to be cleaned, Absolutely, I am guilty. Have I had days where I found myself scrolling through news and posts a little too long? Of course I have. Are there days where I get the work-life balance thing off? Definitely. Have I had days where I just slept in? No, I don't typically do that. <laughs> my body just wakes up in the morning and then my dog starts to bark at like 6 a.m. and I never go back to sleep. But here's my point. While I'm far from perfect, I have a vision for my life of following Jesus. I have values that remind me of who I want to be on my best day, of where I sense the Lord calling me to invest my time and energy. And my prayer is that I strike a good balance on more days than not. You know, I'm not suggesting that you adapt my values, but with this starting vision, virtue of pursuing God, you can take time to talk to the creator of the universe, ask him to unlock your heart, to reveal to you your unique values the things that are most important to you, the things that you don't want to look back on in 10 years and say, I missed it. Where did the time go? And I want to encourage you to share with others and invite their feedback as well because they're going to give you perspectives that you can't see. We all have blind spots, right? But if your eyes are on Jesus and you know what you value, you know where he's calling you to invest, you can live with intention. And if you live with intention, you will see fruit and you will experience abundance. I encourage you to reflect and make an honest assessment of your life and of your days. Think about the practices and activities that fill your day and ask how they can match up and align with the values. You know, as I mentioned to you, having family dinner is important to us, and so as much as possible, we prioritize that. We have great conversations over dinner, we laugh, but it takes time. Carrie and I both schedule times to go out with our crews. It directly connects with our value of living accountable lives. And it's fun. And I need fun in my life. But it requires time. For me, trying to create space for hobby time where I can work on creative projects, it makes me happy. It fills my life with joy. Taking time on Saturdays to work in the yard, while not always enjoyable to me personally, 
It's all about stewardship, and it connects with one of my values. What are your values? What are the most important practices in your life? Do you know what they are? You know, I want to switch gears for a minute and make another important point about time. It's important to consider the difference between the quantity of time you spend on something versus the quality of time or even the frequency of time. And we get this wrong all the time, and I think so many of us beat ourselves up when maybe we shouldn't. Here's what I mean. I can spend three hours with someone, and because the quality of that time is so poor, it has little to no impact. But at the same time, I can spend a smaller amount of time with someone with such quality that the impact is great. You know, when I go out on dates with Carrie, I want the quality of time to be high. Quality means having the physical and emotional energy to be thoughtful, to give her my full attention, to be present in that moment. What about frequency? You know, I'm told if you do sit-ups and push-ups every morning, which apparently doesn't take too much time, you're going to see great impact. I thought that was funny, no? Because <laughs> I don't do them, right? You see, but that's an issue of frequency of repetition. It's not an issue of how long it took. It's the fact that if you do it over and over again, it makes a difference. If you practice a musical instrument every day for 15 minutes, you're going to get better. Although 30 minutes is even better. If you pray with your children every day for two minutes, that's an issue of frequency, and it's going to change their lives, and it's going to change your life. If you read to your children or you have a first 20, maybe with your spouse or a friend, maybe every day or every week, that's an issue of frequency, and it's going to have impact on your life, even if you miss it sometimes. Start back tomorrow. I really feel like the Lord said to me there was at least one person here today who needed to hear that. There's something that he's calling you back to. Let go of the shame and the guilt. Start back tomorrow. Every day is a new day. If you throw a baseball with someone you love or you take a walk on a regular basis, you're going to see impact. Even if when you add up the time, it isn't as much as something else in your life. When you commit to serve at the food pantry or you help with our kids or youth or you greet people or you pray up front or you lead worship or help with technology, it's the frequency of your commitment that makes the world of a difference in people's lives. You see, it's not always about the quantity of time. It's also about the quality of time and the frequency as well. Church, these are keys to abundant life. Stopping to open the door for someone takes eight seconds. I timed it. Thank you, John Gaynor and Jim Anastasia and Walt Jim Roga and so many others who do that. Asking a coworker during a break how they're doing doesn't take long. Giving a kind word, lending a hand to someone in need, sharing your faith, these are all shine moments that come from having just a little extra margin in your life, and they lead to great abundance. But so often in life, the challenge is identifying what do we stop doing in order to have time for these things, right? And knowing your values certainly helps. But equally, if starting something new was that easy, like running or working out or taking time for ourselves, everyone would be doing it, wouldn't they? So why do we struggle to do the things that we want to do? Sometimes it's helpful to start something new with someone else. Do it in community. It's like an ancient old trick, right? But also recognize what Alan calls a vice, another V, right? I would add on to that. Sometimes in life, whether due to present circumstances or our personalities or maybe past wounds and hurts, sometimes there are emotional or spiritual obstacles that prevent us from living our best life, the life that we desire, the life that we're called to. You know, going into the fall, I could feel that there was this emotional undercurrent in my life 
that was ultimately impacting my time and my desire to live an abundant life. And so I began working with a coach to help me dig a bit deeper and to invite the Lord to renew my identity so that I could have a greater abundance. I wanna tell you that it's helping. The journey's been reflective, it's been restorative, but I'm a work in progress and I miss it constantly. Church, if you sense there are obstacles in your life preventing you from doing the things that you're called to do, I wanna encourage you to talk to a friend or a pastor. Consider a counselor or a coach. Try out CR, which is for anyone with a hurt habit or hang up. Maybe come forward for prayer after service, but do something because the Lord wants to move in a fresh way in your life. You know, here's something else about time that's really important. This is something so obvious that most of us miss it. While the Bible doesn't talk about managing seconds, it talks about seasons. There are different seasons in the year. There are different seasons of life. And knowing what season you're in is crucial when you talk about stewarding time. You see, when spring comes, farmers are out planting crops. When summer comes, they're out tending their crops. When fall comes, they're out collecting their crops. In winter, they're resting and they're preparing for the next year. There are seasons in our lives, and seasons have an impact on where we spend our time. You know, if you have young children in your home, you're probably fully absorbed with all that means, and that is godly and it's good. It's a season, and it requires time. If you have aging parents or someone in your family is sick, you're probably spending time caring for them, and that's godly and it's good. It's a season. If you're in school or getting a master's or doctorate degree while you're working, that requires time. It's good. If you're a tax accountant and it's tax season, you're probably working really hard. If you're a school teacher and it's summer, I hope you have a break because you deserve it, really. If you just retired, you might find that you have more space and capacity in life than ever before. Fantastic. Craig and I would say to you, we need your help here at the church. We've got so many purposeful and meaningful things that you can get involved in. If there's a big project at work or you're in a leadership transition, you've taken on more responsibility, it's a season and it takes time. It's godly and it's good. What's my point? When you know what season you're in, you can recognize all the blessings and opportunities that go with that season, as well as the boundaries and limitations. See, seasons are for a period of time, but too often people are trying to live in a different season than the season they're actually in. And that brings about incredible frustration and problems. Church, we're called to embrace and live fully in the season that God has you in. And when you do that, you will experience his abundance, his peace, his power, his joy. But it requires acceptance and it requires surrender. You know, as I prepare to close, I just want to circle back to where I began. The abundant life begins in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you can't say that you know him personally, if you can't say that you're placing your full trust in him, then I want to invite you today to surrender your life to Jesus. After service, come forward and pray with one of our prayer servants. Talk with them, share with them where you are. If you're online, talk to a host or call the church. Let today be the day. Church, our time on earth is brief. Our days are numbered. What is the Lord saying to you today? Are you living your life centered on Jesus? Are there things in your calendar that you're letting steal, kill, and destroy? 
Are you spending time on the things that matter the most? Can you articulate what's most important to you in your life so at the end of the week, you know whether you've lived with intention and abundance? Do you give quality time to the things that matter the most? Are you engaged frequently with activities that bring you life and make a difference? Do you know what season you're in? And are you living fully in that season, learning to embrace all that it offers you? Reflecting on these things can make a big difference. Church, living a Christ-centered, value-based life leads to abundance. May each of us make the most of our time as we look to arise and shine and give God all the glory. Amen.